Do all things without complaining or disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I, Paul, may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or laboured in vain. This truly is a crooked and perverse generation. A generation that really doesn't know any end to the amount of sin and atrocity it can create. This generation doesn't know where it came from, where it's going, what its purpose is. It teaches its children lies. It blinds the heart. The, the, the thought that um, it's the survival of the fittest comes to mind. And children are being indoctrinated in that way of thinking. Now, even the systems and the structures of the world, of the countries we work in, of, of, of the places we abide in, and the culture that rules our everyday lives even encourage us to indulge in our wildest desires. Even the most extreme desires. And the common denominator is it pushes us further and further away from God. We can see society it has got that far away from God that it's even hard to talk about Jesus. It's even hard to mention the name Jesus in the world. Well, this is the world according to man. This is a man-made creation. This is the world made in the image of man. And it's, it's a world quite literally geared up to focus on the physical world at the expense of the spiritual. And this is the spirit of error. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And we see that every day. The days are truly dark, and the darkness is very dark indeed. But of course, there is hope. The darker the night, the brighter the stars. There's literally no darkness that can overcome light, but light can overcome darkness. The Son of God has come, and he has given us an understanding of spiritual things. He came to teach us about the kingdom of God, that it's not a fleshly kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. And he came to teach us that God actually knows a bit more about how to live than we do. And he's given us an understanding. He's given us an understanding so that we can be this light that Paul talks about. We are, my friends, to be bearers of the light, bearing light in the darkness. It's interesting, we look at darkness and you look at the sky and a thought came to me when I was, I was preparing for this, the default position of, of everything is really darkness. You look into the sky and there's absolutely nothing apart from pinpricks of light. Yes, trillions of them, but 
even with trillions of light, there's still much more darkness. Scientists have even thought that the, if you added up all the mass that we can see in the universe, there's much, much more that we can't see. And we look to the scripture and see that there was indeed darkness before God said, let there be light. Something has to happen to create light. If nothing happens, we have darkness. So if God didn't say, let there be light, would there be any light now? No. So God had to do something. Without his word, there isn't any light. Without any reaction, we look in the sky, without a reaction that is the stars, the nuclear reaction, these atoms smashing against each other to generate light, there's no light. If that didn't happen, then there wouldn't be any light. Something has to happen for light to come about. God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. So we, we, we think about the first creation, but each and every single saved person is a new creation in God. And again, if God had not sent his son and did something, then that second creation wouldn't be there. There'd be no ability for light to come. And, and this is why we have to do something. This is, this is why the, the love is so important of God. If you ever think about, yes, we talked today about, you know, God, God loves us because he sacrificed his only begotten son. How many of us would do that for someone else? And love, a true, true love is not words, is it? It's the actions. Amen. Yes, this is God, and God speaks, and his words are power and energy. Um, but this is why love needs action associated with that. How, how, can we, how can we love God? How can we love anyone? How can, I, how can I love you, Andrew, if I know nothing about you? This is why these learning the testimonies are, 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 are fantastic. We learn about each other. And that helps us love even more because then we can do more. It's the same with God. How can anyone love God, love a God they don't know? Amen. You can't. The definition isn't there. You might like him, might like the sound of him. It's very much the same as a belief. You might have a belief in something, in Jesus, but without some action, that doesn't turn into anything. And this is why faith without works is dead. Because without any action, there's no light. And if we just have a belief without any action, then we have no light to shine. And we just blend in to the default position of the universe, which is darkness, until Jesus comes back. Mark mentioned earlier about... Um, I forgot what you said. You said, no, you said, you said something earlier I was going to begin. But you get the point. There is... Yeah, something has to set us apart which we'll come on to later. Uh, and, and we have the word to set us apart and the spirit to help us resist the flesh. Again, if we look at the, 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 the sky, we, we've got not just darkness, 
Darkness isn't just the absence of light. It's an absolute vacuum. It's complete death. It's ininhabitable. No one could live there. And that's exactly what the darkness, the spiritual darkness that Jesus was preaching about in the Bible is. A complete death. Death more complete than we could ever imagine for an eternity. I was talking to someone a few weeks ago um, and we got onto the discussion about eternity and I was trying to emphasize how important it is to do something now because this is just 70, 80, whatever years we've got. There's an eternity to consider. And to get the point across, I asked them, what, what's a, tell me about, what's the biggest number here then? What's the biggest number here anyone can think of? Scott, Daphne, give me a big number. A trillion trillions. Okay, we'll double that and have a trillion trillion trillions. And you're still closer to zero than you are to infinity. Trillion to the power of trillions. Yeah, again. Yeah. That's exactly right. So no matter what else, whatever you can think of, whatever number you can come up with, you are still closer to zero than you are infinity. Now, what's the difference between infinity and an eternity? (laughs) There's nothing. It's that big. Okay? So the stakes are enormous. And therefore, the light has to get this message across. And we do see... God tells us and shows us the natural to teach us about his spiritual work on the planet and and in heaven. And we see that a slight bit of activity in the stars over time can create enormous implications. It can create stars, planets, galaxies. And we never know the true potential of what God's will can do through us if we let it work. We might think it's trivial. You say every time you stand up, David, we are few, but we're powerful because we have God and God's overcome the world. Whatever the world has, we've got more. Yeah. So it's not about the numbers. It's about the numbers of people saved, but it's about allowing God's will to work through us. If you look at workers of iniquity in the Bible, it's... Iniquity is not doing the will of God. It's putting your will before God's. And that is the source of all sin. So we need to be aware of that. So how do we turn the light on anyway? How do we shine this light? This is why it's impossible to please God without faith. Something needs to happen with our beliefs in order to generate this light. Okay? Christians should be able to shine in their lives. Okay, if we keep the word of God, then it should manifest through our actions, through our words, through the way we even appear to people. And that is so people can see the evidence of things unseen. They're seen through our actions. And it's like many things we learn at school or in the world that you can't really see what's causing the effect, but you see the effect. Okay, and that's how Paul demonstrated the power of God through his faith. So, is the image of Jesus reflected in our actions? This really is the definition of faith. Are we prepared to reflect Jesus through what we do? People, therefore, shouldn't be able to live with us long before they start hearing the gospel. 
we shouldn't really be able to get away with sitting with someone for more than a few minutes when it just comes out or something brings up Jesus. And after all, this is how we, who once were in the darkness, can now shine the light in the world. We listen to these testimonies are great because we could all see everybody was completely dark until someone shined that light and said there's something else for you to consider. And that's our job, to point sinners to a saviour and the weary to a divine resting place. It's got to be a daily activity. That's the, the, the reaction that creates the light. If we go back to Psalms, in Psalm 35, we're reminded about the limitations of light and the limitations of darkness with the coming of the morning and the coming of the night. And David said, for his anger endures for a moment, in his, his favour is life, weeping may endure for a night, but cometh in the morning. The darkness comes to us all at some point in our lives. I can see that. And the point is to remember that this is our physical life, and that we've been given power to overcome these things if we wield it right so again he promises us joy because the morning will come the light will come but so will the darkness David wrote a lot about the morning in the Psalms and often associated it with righteousness God's righteousness indeed Jesus called himself the bright morning star in Revelation because his light is so great, no darkness at all can be present. In fact, God is light, and in him is no shadow of darkness at all. This is why the children of God have light, because our Father is light. So when we are created new, that's where the light comes from, from God. And, and this... Humans have been given one crucial thing that sets us apart from all the other living things on this planet. And it's, it's, we hear about humans being made in the image of God. And this is the closest thing we have to divinity, if you like, for want of a better term, that we have now. Can anyone guess what that might be? Choice. We constantly have a choice. Always to go with God or to go with what we think. That's simple. No, nothing else. If you look at any other animals, animals just exist. The, the work of the world is to try to make us think that we don't have a choice to go with God, to blind us from the other option. But humans always have a choice so that we can have brightness in our life. And, and this is the new creation. We choose to go with God, to have that light put in us. And the great work which Jesus Christ did in the world by the Holy Spirit through the word, what he said, that he's making all things new through his word, through his spirit. So with light, once we have some light in our lives and we've repented, 
We've been baptized and we've been baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Only then do we start to see things differently. And this is the light. This is God's light inside us. This is the light that makes manifest, that makes us aware of things that were once hidden. I can testify to this straight away. As soon as that had happened to me, I found it very difficult to go back doing exactly the same things that I did before. Just uncomfortable. I could sit there and do it, but I'm constantly on edge, feeling like this isn't right. And the Bible tells us that once we, once we come to Jesus and accept his will over our will, that we are then, only then, we're walking in the light. Yeah, only once this happens can he fill us with his spirit and begin the process of sanctification by working through us. And once we allow him to work in us, only then does the light begin to shine because we're doing something. doesn't matter how small, doesn't matter whether we're doing something by preaching to millions or just going to see the person down the road or speaking to all the widows down that street. It doesn't matter how small, something's happening because then the light grows, okay? And we all know, you ask anyone, small things lead to big things, always. You don't just start with something massive, it grows. Sin and the opposite of sin. What's the opposite of sin? Righteousness? Goodness. Yeah, good good works, yeah. Uh, So through Paul, God is telling us that we are to shine as lights in the world because Satan works in the darkness. He operates in the shadows where the light hasn't quite penetrated, those darky, murky parts of our soul, of the world. Um, And shining as light, so doing the will of God in our lives, no matter how small, shines a light on the sin in our lives as well and the sin in other people's lives, the people near us. And when we're filled with God's spirit, we gain insight into the heart of God. What pains us pains God and vice versa. And the shining light goes directly against the darkness of this world. So that's why we can't conform to the world. But our job is to transform it by shining this light. And an interesting thing I found is that the people that I, I, let's say, spend time with, after after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm acutely aware of their sin. There's no other way of putting it. I'm not trying to judge. I'm not the judge here. But the very fact that my eyes have been opened to a better way of living, truth and goodness and righteousness, and all these things that are kept away from us if we're not taught these when we're young. It, makes, it opens your eyes to look at things from God's perspective. How painful just the odd words that people wouldn't think twice, the odd bit of profanity over there, using God's name in anger, just things that you wouldn't even think about. They then start to pain you. You can start to see the pain, the anger of God as people do not know him. And therefore, the light is also a warning for us. Uh, If we look in Luke 12, uh, 
And Jesus says, and 12.4, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. We need to point out every dangerous sin. This is part of the process of the light. We need to be like a lighthouse that shows the sin of the world so that people are at least aware that there is a standard. We need to be clear of the blood of all men by explaining to people that God is actually good and telling them that there, there is a better way to go. He is spirit and he judges man by spiritual standards, which makes sense. But the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he even know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things yet he himself he himself is judged of no man so i've spoken to people and god wouldn't be like that oh god wouldn't would do these god wouldn't do that this is god you're talking about so god doesn't work to our standards to our expectations we work to his the problem we have is that we change if we've, had about, if we've had too many Weetabix in the morning, we might feel different if we didn't have enough. You know, we're variable. Our feelings change like the weather. And our opinions can change, as we see. You know, each generation is changing in terms of its view on things. So we don't really... It doesn't make sense for anyone to say, oh, that isn't how I envisage God. God's God, and he's given us enough information about himself to be able to make an informed decision about him. And he judges us by how we react to his word. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And, and the light shows the way. The mind of Christ is really useful because it's important to get to heaven. We want to try and get to an eternity in the presence of God in heaven, yeah? But we know that we need to enter through a very, very narrow gate. And in fact, it's easier to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a, camel to pass through, a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle. And we also remember <laughs> that wide is the gate to destruction. So we need some help to stay on this narrow path because we're told that many, many people go into the wide gate. So we need the light to be able to see the path so that we can walk. And, and that light, again, comes from God's spirit working in us, uh, knowing that we have that, uh, the armour of God working for us to, to stay true to God's will as best we can. There's no other way we can stay on such a narrow path by our own strength. This is why we need grace and mercy. This is why we, God realises that. And this is why he has to do all the work. <laughs> yeah, we just have to come to God and ask him. We just have to say, God, okay, right, I'm going to do your will. I don't want to do my will anymore. But what's your will for me this morning? What should I have for breakfast? Should I go this way or that way to work? Ask God for everything. He... And this is where we get, as Christians, stressed. Because we try to take the burdens, we try to do everything we can. 
And yes, we do everything we can and God will do the rest, but we do it backwards. Yeah? God, is this right for me? God, what do you want me to do here? Help me understand this. We need to be praying. We need that constant discourse so we can understand the best path to, what, to go. Because we want to stay on God's path. Okay? Right, so us shining is as much, therefore, for us as others. We do forget how powerful God actually is sometimes. Yeah? And then we think we, we sin. And then we think, oh, I can't ask for forgiveness again. He tells us to do that. Every little thing. There's no limit. We talked about infinity. God is infinite. He has no limit to the amount of forgiveness that he has for everyone. Uh, right, so if we have a look at Luke 76. Yeah, okay. Just uh, Luke... No, well done. Luke 76? Where's that? That isn't... Yeah, I've got, No, it's Luke 176, maybe? Well done. Yeah, it is Luke 176, right. Okay, this is really interesting. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse... I'm still getting used to all this terminology. Um, Chapter 1, verse 76. Okay, and uh, I'll just read it out. And this, this is is really interesting, because Jesus is... No, Luke... Well done. Someone is (laughs) (laughs) quoting... Someone is is someone is quoting Zacharias from from hundreds of how far before Jesus was Zacharias six hundred years ago. Okay, so this is this is what this man said six hundred years ago before before Jesus and you child will be called the prophet of the highest and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Mm-hmm. Who's he talking about there? Jesus. No. Let's talk about John. John. He prepared the way. Uh, talking about John there, he's yeah. talking to us. Yeah, because about. we do exactly the same that John would do yes. there. Yes, that... We, would, we are... We are those prophets, we are those apostles, yeah. disciples, now. Yeah, that's for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well done. Uh, so, so we're to shine as light for us as well, because we need this guidance. Uh, we, we see, and we started by looking at the world, and unfortunately, this world that we see and we all have problems with, this is what happens when you take God out of the equation. Amen. We are reminded again to make the wise choice that leads to the light so we can shine for the lost and direct their steps too. We're here to help those like a massive, illuminous signpost who are in the dark. Whether they follow it or not, that's not our problem. We're here to signpost away through our actions, through our light, however we might manifest that light by some kind of action. 
no matter how small. Because don't forget, we, even in this country, we're working in a vacuum, basically. It's, it's, a, it's a vacuum of faith. People don't have faith, definitely not like they used to. They have it in other countries. So even a small bit of action. If you see light in a vacuum, that's why you know, all the light bulbs are in a vacuum. Because you only need a bit of light, and then it illuminates the whole, the whole room. So all we need to do is something small in this vacuum, and it will shine, I promise you. Jesus told us to continue his work to seek and save the lost. And we're to hold forth the word of life, wielding the sword like a good soldier of God, learning, studying, reading, memorizing, so we can use it. You know, we've got all these tools. Do we use them as well as we should? This is the training. This is the training to grow the light. Yeah? Now, in Luke 2.32, Jesus is described as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. So Jesus specifically is for us to light, to, to show people that God isn't bothered just about the Jews, he's bothered about every single human on earth. Amen. And uh, so what happens if we don't shine the light? All right, let's have a, let's have a little look at that. Um, uh, this, is, this is a constant problem, and it's a bit like going to the gym. Me and Kev talk about this all the time. Uh, we need to f- get physical strength so we get energy. But it takes effort. It takes action, time, resource. And the problem with light, being God's light, it does take some effort. Because as we've seen, with no effort, you get no light. You just fall back into darkness. And the light, no matter how bright it was, if there's nothing maintaining that reaction, it will just fade and dissipate away. Without action and effort, like a star that is exhausting its energy, we see that it dissipates. Humans, interestingly, are amazingly good at adapting to things. So even if there isn't any light, we'll adapt to the darkness. That's what we see. People are so adapting to the darkness that they can't even think that there might be a God, let alone see some light and generate some light in their their life. Uh, I listened to uh, something on the radio the other week, and there's this lady who's running 2,500 miles barefoot around the UK. Everyone thinks she's completely bonkers. Um, and when, she said, when asked, why are you doing this? Just wanted a challenge. Uh, <laughs> we, could, we could give her a challenge. Try, you know, try telling people about Jesus in this day and age. But what she said, I bet they said, oh, but how did you handle that? That must be so painful. She said, well, well, it was to start with. But after a month or two of running barefoot, it's actually quite nice, and it didn't hurt anymore. We've got a lesson we can learn from that. It's hard to get the light started, but once you've got light, it just takes a fan now and again if you want to do it. It's not like a constant, huge amount of effort all the time. So you can see the adaptation of humans. We can adapt to the darkness. And because you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, you do. Mm. Her feet will get harder and harder. Yeah. If you ever go to Africa and things like that, you'll see how hard their skin is on their feet. Yeah. So they can't afford the shoes. Mm. So it does adapt. 
Mm. But that's the only time you can do it. Mm. The adaptation of what you're saying is just keep preaching the word. Yeah. And our hearts get right. hard. Amen. Without the word, without the spirit, without any right. consideration for God, our hearts will get as hard as the feet on that lady. And we'll adapt to darkness. We, uh, if you believe in adaptation of species, uh, we'll just go blind. Technically, you will go completely spiritual, spiritually blind because it's not there. The environment doesn't have that in. So as a Christian, it's even worse as a Christian if we're not shining. Because technically, you could argue, well, therefore you're not a Christian. But, but it's a Christian's life to be different. Yeah, we're set apart for a purpose, not just to bask in the realisation that, oh yeah, we've got God, and God's in me, brilliant. Well, it's all irrelevant if you don't do anything with it. Yeah, um, God has given us his spirit for an apostolic reason, to do something and follow the way of the apostles. And that purpose is to be different, is to let our lives shine on a daily basis so that people can't disagree with anything you say because they've seen it, in fact. And so that people are eventually, like good moths, are drawn to the light. They do finally see that that might be a better way. Only when things tend to go wrong, they'll look over and say, oh, okay, fair enough then, let's try this. I've tried everything else but at least your light shining so they know where to go. Paul demonstrated the power of God through his words and his life, constantly pressing on to the calling of God with a faith he could not see, but he knew it made sense. In the face of all kinds of adversity, he shone like a beacon to show people the presence of God and the reality of their state without knowing God. He shone so bright, we can still see his light today. Uh, and one of the things I got thinking about as, um, you know, during my conversion was what, so, so Paul was killing everybody that was trying to shine as a light. So what would he, and his whole life was geared up to keep that traditional religious exterior and keep that system of repression down, of true faith. What must he have seen? What must he have actually experienced to completely change his life on within an hour? Completely, his entire life changed. If you actually think about what you would have to go through to have the same change, it can't be something that he's just made up. It can't be something of this earth. It just doesn't make sense. He had a very good life. He was well off. He knew enough to be put in constant battles. It's incredible. Paul's testimony of his conversion. Uh, and, and this, listening to everybody in our church, in our small church, this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our the stories of our faith, the stories of overcoming the things that we thought were once right. Interestingly, most of the time, it's the stories of overcoming ourselves, getting to the end of where we are, and then looking for something new. So back to Luke 12. In the meantime, when there, when there were gathered together an innumerable multiple, multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another. 
he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware you, beware ye of the leaving of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall, be, that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. Again, the light shows all of this up. And that which you have spoken in the ear, in closets, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Get prepared. And light, light has, it does have a cheering influence. When after seeking the, the truth, we finally realize the peace of God in the knowledge of Jesus. The peace, the peace we get from God, sometimes we don't have that peace, yeah? I'm pretty much sure that everybody that doesn't have that peace, they've just done their will, not God's will. Yeah? We get peace by doing God's will because we don't have to worry about it. He does it for us. Only when we stray from that will you start getting that feeling, oh, things aren't going right, I feel stressful. Before you know it, it's piling back up again. And if you were just to look back at what you've just done, how much of that would be God's will for you? Um, I've forgotten where it was now. So, yeah, so once we've got this knowledge that Jesus gives us, it can be difficult. But our gazes have been lifted and the prize isn't just living for this life. We need to remember the eternity we look forward to. And it, it's so difficult. You know, we look even now when people don't, you know, what vitamins do I take? You know, I've looked into vitamins and you've got to wait 60 years or something before you get any, well, you even know you've got to do 60 years of spending money on vitamins, eating all the vitamins to see whether there's any benefit in your life. And then you've got all these other variables in life anyway that can just kill you, maim you, or give you more health. So we, it's, we can't even make a decision based on that in this life, let alone this thing that is after life that we can only see the shadows of through the scripture. So this is where, why we need that faith. This is why we need to believe God. So you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're not just the sons and daughters of God. We're members of God's actual household. I was looking into the royal family the other day. So she changed it in 58 or something from the monarchy to the entire royal family. She brought the family into the structure of the state, uh, which now we see it wasn't a great idea. Um, but God's done the same with us, and we know that there'll be a good end because we inherit. We will inherit God's blessings that he put forward for Jesus. And does that sound like a cheery place or a depressing place? Cheery, yes. Yeah, so, so you'd think that if you really believed in that, you'd be a bit more happy about this, that you'd be a bit more excited, ready to go. Be released from the fear of death. Well, what if people have no fear of death? Well, if you're talking to someone that doesn't believe in this and just thinks I rot in the ground, even if there isn't a fear of death, there's still darkness. You need to remind them of the darkness. Absolute, suffocating, inescapable darkness without God. Yeah? That's a fact. The light of Jesus lasts forever and actually increases in strength and intensity once we enter eternity. Okay, drawing to a close, 
Just some final thoughts that I want you to just to process. If God's word shows his light, how do our words show our light? What do they identify you, me, us as? The light of the world is Jesus Christ. And those who choose to walk in darkness do not have eternal life because they are unknown to God. We should know the false lights are everywhere. The right light is, in, the right light is needed. The wreckers of Satan are trying to buffet us and pull us apart, tempting the ungodly to sin. That's how they do it. Tempting ungodly people to not do the will of God in the name of pleasure most of the time. And men sometimes read their Bibles without understanding them. Seen that? Look at Philip. So we are supposed to be light-hearted. <laughs> Jesus, time after time, told people to be of good cheer. When the boat's sinking, don't worry, be of good cheer. It was like, right, we're looking at the things around us. It's falling apart. We're not looking at you, Jesus. We forgot what you've just told us about five minutes ago already. As soon as the storm comes, we forget all of this, don't we? We've got to pack up. Well, I can't go to... Well done, by the way. Not you, Andrea. I can't go to church because things have gone wrong. That's your will again. Can't, do, can't go out and talk to people because I don't have the bond. Oh, your will. Every time you're getting further and further away. And then you, before you know it, you've got no will of God in your life. And that... How, therefore, can you be light-hearted? How can you shine your light if we don't have the will of God in our lives? How often do we look down and despair at the response of our loved ones for Jesus Christ? How often do we walk about in a temper at ourselves? Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So <laughs> that, that is pretty much the end anyway. So where is the light in our lives? Where's the hope? What's the future for what we have? The future's tied into our decision-making. We have this choice, and we constantly have a choice to do God's will or ours. And we know that sin always comes from not doing God's will, but doing our will first. Amen. Okay? And the ultimate aim has to be to try and have our will tie up with God's will, so that we don't always have that compromise. So shine as a light in this crooked and perverse generation in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to be your mouthpiece, to speak your word into the world, Lord. Father, we know that we, we can push back the darkness if only we remember what you have for us, if we remember the power that you've given us already. For Lord, we are not just hangers-on. We are not just flailing in the water, but we are sons and daughters of God. You give us as much power as we can handle, and you've always got more for us. You're always lifting us up, Lord. Every time anyone came to Jesus, he lifted them up. He spoke words of encouragement, reproving them, showing them the way, shining as a beacon of righteousness in a dark and mixed-up world, Lord. I pray that each one of us can do the light justice. That we can shine and point in the direction that the people should go. If anybody knew the truth, they would pick 
They will pick you, Lord. But they just don't know. They don't have the light. And they can't understand it without the light. So, Lord, help us open up the minds. Help us spread your word and your spirit, Father. And just help us live these lights, lives as lights so that people can find the way forwards. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.